Final word day with me, Cameron Hudsonby, and national treasure in training, Daniel Norcross. Well, I got your name wrong. That's how unfamous you are, to be honest. Anyway, we're here for Westfield London, Westfield Stratford City. And as is custom, Daniel is going to get us going with today's 30-second summary. The day began with India determined to destroy Test cricket by playing it the normal way, the right way, the correct way in India. They went horribly slowly and it was mind-bogglingly tedious, but it was the right thing to do couple of early wickets then they dug in thereafter uh, chipping away chipping away lower order runs England kept India to 445 that felt uh, about par maybe a little bit below maybe a little bit above who knows and England went berserk it was basball it was crazy Ben Duckett was unbelievable and we had five penalty runs Oh, wonderful. Five penalty runs, of course. A very a very final word moment of the day. We might save it for the Hall of Fame. We'll probably get into it a bit earlier. But I want to start with Ben Duckett. Oh my goodness me, what an innings. This was an innings of pure confirmation bias for me. He's a player I love watching bat. My WhatsApps were flooding through of friends being like, this is just so exciting. He's one of those players where the line between... The, his drive ball and his cut ball is so is so slim, so slim. When it gets very, very full, he'll punch the ball back down the ground. The slightest bit of shortness, I'm going to call it, and he'll slash it away, cut the ball. And of course, he has those cut shots as well. But my favourite moment when he brought up his century off at just 88 deliveries, he finished on 133 not out of 118 deliveries was as he punched the ball down the ground who had to run after the ball and fetch it from the boundary, but his arch nemesis, Ravichandran Ashwin. Daniel, you may well have been out here in 2016 when England were last here. And even if you weren't, I'm sure you kept a keen eye. For Duckett to have gone from that tour where he averaged six across three innings to out here when he's playing in a completely different way, registering a century, it was pretty special. It was. I mean, just to clear things up, as a trainee national treasure, I wasn't on the India tour. I was on the Bangladesh tour that took place just before it. And yes. I witnessed Ben having similar kind of problems. Quite right. Um, Mahadi Hassan was opening the bowling, bowling off breaks and uh, causing him a fair few problems. He, he actually gave a little glimpse of what he might become in a, a good knock at Dhaka before England absolutely collapsed to their first and only loss in a test match against Bangladesh. But his attitude is now completely different, liberated under Ben Stokes. You mentioned the punch down the ground off uh, Siraj to bring up this 100. I think it's hard to know where to begin with your favourite moments. I, I love the reverse thwack for six because one of the things that Ben doesn't actually do a great deal is hit sixes. If you look at his six hitting record against the rest of the Bazball lineup, he's mostly along the carpet actually. Um, but the sweeps, the sweeps were just magnificent. He was sort of using the sweep as a defensive option. And it was very clear, wasn't it, that he was so cheesed off to have got out to defensive shots in the second match. Uh, because that isn't Ben Duckett's way. We all know by now he doesn't leave the ball. But he also isn't going to get out playing a defensive shot. When he did, he felt like he was overwhelmed by existential angst, was determined to change the pattern. And he went absolutely berserk. Um, I think it was the, the immediate hour, the first hour of the final session was when he was at his most ridiculous. And in tandem with Crawley, brought up a fourth 50-run opening partnership, which is, I, I found an incredible stat today. I, I haven't had a chance to fact-check it, but that it was the fourth 50-plus partnership opening the batting for England in this series. 
And in the last five years, is this right, Cam? There have only been four opening partnerships of 50 plus by overseas teams. This is absolutely correct. It has been remarkable. And we... Both, all the press asked Mark Wood, who was up for the media after today, about whether there was an element of relief that Duckett, who'd got, in his last six innings, I think he had scores of between 20 and 40. And it showed how old-fashioned and just kind of out of sync with this England changing room we are. Because I fell into the trap as well. I went, well, is there a bit of relief that he's managed to turn these starts into a big score finally? And kind of Mark Wood looked at me, he was like, but he's not, that's just not how we're thinking about it. Every time him and Crawley go out to bat, it's foot to the floor, accelerates, we're ahead of the game. There was never any feeling about, oh, goodness me, Duckett's kind of needing a big score. That being said, I'd like to potentially counter that with my own opinion, as is my want and right. Um, I was a bit nervous for, for Duckett because you're an opening batter. And opening batters, part of the job is you nick off early. You're going to get good deliveries. And if you do have those scores of 20 and 40, there is around the corner two good balls with your name on, maybe three, all of a sudden, goodness me, hey, Ben Duckett, he's averaging about three in the last seven days. Get him out of here, basically. I was concerned that was going to be the case for Duckett, that all of a sudden a couple of good deliveries happen in this test and all of a sudden he's three out of five tests into this series without a score. As it happens... Well, he has 133 runs. Just seven minutes into the podcast, should drop in that what the actual scores are. Adam will be very pleased with uh, this little segue. But India finished up on 445, having started the day on 326 for five. England finished up on 207 for two. Uh, Joe Root joined him at the crease after Ollie Pope was given out LBW just at the end of play. I think all in all, England were happy with how it's gone. They're still a long way behind. If anything, it's made me realise how many runs 450 is because England have done really well. And you go, fucking hell, like, you've still got another 250 to go, lads. Like, blimey. But it could have been a much, much better for England had it not been for kind of lower-order runs from Drew Jarrell. We'll get on to Ashwin in a little bit. Um, but they went from 330 for seven up to 450. Are England ruining their chances there? Or is that kind of just par for the course India get 450 batting first in India well I mean I think it actually is par at, uh, at Rajkot I mean that, what little data sets we've got to go on would suggest that it's slightly below par but I mean that's nonsensical it's only three the third test match played in Rajkot so you can't read a great deal into that but it was I think vindication for the basketball way of going about it that India felt in a way like they were blunting and frustrating England by batting or that whole of that first session after losing the two quick wickets after the night watchman went and after Root got Jadeja with the court and bold. It was an awkward partnership, wasn't it? Oh no, an eighth wicket partnership between the, the keeper and Ravichandra and Ashwin. But actually they only got 67 runs in the session. So in a strange kind of way, it's quite basball that in, in previous times, the fact that England were out in the field, the exhaustion of it, the kind of um, crushing entropy that takes place to a side when it's out in the field for so long in the heat in India doesn't really seem to affect them if they can score 176 runs in the last session suddenly you're, you're putting so much pressure back onto India that the game is moving so fast and that was really noticeable in the way I thought I felt that that Rohit Sharma captain you know Stokes continued to do what he does in the field which is change things up turn things around and yes a, a normal side and England fans will go oh what about the two LBWs that they didn't refer what about the drop catch from Ollie Pope and the drop catch from Ben Stokes 
they could have bowled them out for 330 and England would be well on top. They'd probably be beyond them now. They'd have a lead. Yeah, you think like that. That would be the normal way of thinking. Stokes and England don't care about that. They go, well, as long as we're making chances, oh, as long as the game's moving on, oh, we get to bat before the end of the second. We're batting by T. That means we've only got to bat for four sessions and we'll have a lead of 150. I don't know how that works. I mean, it is still, to me, balmy, despite all the evidence that I, we've all gleaned, Raul Pindi, any number of test matches now played under this management. And yet, the speed at which they make the game change. And I know you, you were there in person, but watching on the TV back here, Yes, I was thinking, you know, why isn't Ashwin on just before T? Why isn't he on earlier to bowl to Duckett, who was his nemesis? Why did Jadeja take so long to come on to bowl? But actually, in terms of length of time, it wasn't very long. Each spell was quite short. It's just that the bowlers were getting smacked around. So the runs, you know, when you say Jadeja's not on until they've scored 150-odd, Ashwin's not on until they've scored 70, give Rohit a bit of slack. It was like 11 overs, you know, before he brought Ashwin on. And he's got two seamers there. Um, I mean, I'm interested in, in how you felt the Indian body language was there and what Rohit was up to. And also, having now watched three test matches there, uh, the best part of, the new ball, it seems, it seems like it's very unhelpful, the new ball. <laughs> no one seems to enjoy bowling with it, apart from Mark Wood yesterday. <laughs> no, it's been the most remarkable. I think what you're saying there is correct in that if it was on, if the shoe was on the other foot, and Ben Stokes was keeping his bowlers on in the face of getting whacked, maybe a little bit like Hyderabad and Tom Hartley, you come off at the end of the day and you go, "What amazing man management, keeping faith in his lads." And Rohit Sharma kind of gives someone a, a four-over spell, and he goes, "Oh, he's not being imaginative enough. He needs to change it up quicker." And it's just it, it, the England way kind of causes things to fly into disarray. I've used this analogy before in that. England basically played test cricket in a TARDIS. Like, it changes the concept of time and how we recognise the ebbs and flows of a cricket match. And the advantage, the added advantage of batting quickly, especially when you're batting second in a test match in India, is, say for the sake of argument, 1,500 runs are scored across a five-day test match, 300 a day for the sake of ease. Say you've got to get your final 300 runs on the last session of day four and across day five, that is harder than if you're playing a 1,500-run test match in four days because the pitch has broken up less. So in effect, by England batting quickly and potentially getting bowled out quickly in their first innings, second innings, they get to bat earlier when they get a second go. So it will actually be easier to chase than kind of had the, if they had to face Ashwin on day five. Speaking of Ashwin, that was a fantastic segue by me. Um, 500 test wickets, just as he dreamt it. Zach Crawley top-edging it. It's a short, fine leg. Uh, he's a final word favourite, or at least he's a favourite of Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon. Um, there was a wonderful little video that the BCCI put together of kind of going around the media centre, asking lots of people kind of how they predicted Ashwin was going to get his wicket. Ben Duckett was the kind of main prediction, which is fair. They think that I assume it was his wife who they got filming it saying, I hope it's clean, bold, middle stump, leaning back. That didn't quite happen. But ultimately, the blokes got to 500 test wickets faster than everyone, bar Matima Erythrin, I think it is in terms of number of balls bowled. Strike rate, good. Daniel Norcross, do you think Ashwin is good? Uh, yes. I mean, I would describe him as the best all-rounder in the world if he wasn't playing in the same team as Ravindra Jadeja. 
So, uh, so yes, was your answer. So, yeah, yeah my, my answer is very much yes. I mean, I, I'm always completely baffled when India take to the field without both Ashwin and Chadeja everywhere around the world because they're so helpful in so many ways. Ashwin's brain is something that isn't quite given enough credence to me. Um, he has the most colossal cricketing brain and he was, he was brilliant in the post-match interview, actually, when talking about what England had done. And he would say, yeah... There's no need for us really to, to worry about it and, and toil because we don't have to be out there for very long. They'll get out at some point. So he's trying to sort of flip baseball back on itself and say, yeah, yeah, you can score all your runs you like, but we're fresh as a daisy because you've done it all in 70, 80 overs and then we get to bat again and put our feet up. So he's kind of, he's a great psychologist. He's a great, uh, what, what did they used to call about Bergy mind games? He's a mind games guy, but he's also so clever. Like today, taking yes. the pace off the ball, not bowling traditional Indian quicker spin because he recognised that the pitch wasn't right for it, varying his pace, moving people around. And look, Duckett could easily have been that 500 wicket. He so nearly was in the last over of the day, a classic Ashwin ball to the left-hander. He was so unlucky, it pitched a fraction outside leg stump. They are devilishly hard to play because the ball's coming across your eye line onto leg stump and then spinning back. That is a, a classic way for Ashwin to get the left-hander out. And this is why you know, I don't share the sanguinity of many pundits that England have got themselves into a strong position. 445 is a lot of runs, exactly as you said. And Ashwin can come into play very quickly. Matches can change very quickly. And I just wonder, how much longer have we got Ashwin? Because a little bit like Anderson, he's sort of been kept in cotton wool. He barely plays white ball stuff anymore. Um, he's got very economical kind of action, although it's a little bit, a bit strange, like somebody trying to unscrew the lid of a difficult marmalade jar on occasions. But he doesn't, you know, he doesn't seem like he puts in an enormous amount of effort. I could see him continuing for another four or five years. I think the race between Lyon and Ashwin to finish their careers with the most number of wickets is going to be one that will excite people like me. I don't know. I don't know really if that's very bad ball, but I'm. I'm loving that. And I just think he's a master of his craft. He's beautiful to I watch. Love it. And he can bat. So, yeah, I'm a big fan. The, Ash, the Ashwin to Lion race to kind of 801 is amazing. Now, I, I hadn't quite considered that before, but I'm all in. Uh, Daniel, you're an artisan. You're a man of kind of quali the qualitative and the touch and the feel of life rather than the, uh, the technology and the numbers. Uh, I think we've got a little bit of a, a controversial... Uh, debate brewing in that for the second match in a row, uh, England are outright disputing a DRS ball tracking uh, decision. So today, Ollie Pope was given out LBW. Zach Crawley was given uh, in Vizag the last game. And Ben Stokes said very plainly, cricket's a game of ifs, buts and maybes. I'm not saying we lost because of this. I'm just saying I think the technology was wrong this time. That has happened once again today with Mohamed Siraj's uh, delivery to Ollie Pope. Uh, Pope thought it was a bit high. He was very surprised. To the naked eye, it looks a bit high. Probably umpire's call. Had it been given out on the pitch and then it, ball tracking had then said it was clipping the bales. I don't think we're having this conversation. But I guess that's potentially my opening to you is, do, do you think Hawkeye <laughs> is corrupt and the BCCI are paying for them to change the numbers? Please, can you answer that one for me, Daniel Norcross? Uh, yes, I don't think that that's the case. You'll be unsurprised to hear. Um, I, I also think that it's always a little bit... Paying you it's as a well. bit silly. It's a little bit silly for people to question technology uh, in this way when it's 
what you're questing is a, a bit of a feel. Oh, I felt it was just a little bit higher on the leg stump than it actually was. <coughs> um, I wasn't massively surprised when I saw the front on because he was quite deep in his crease and, he, and he's not the tallest man. His leg was ever so slightly bent. So I thought he might get away with it. I thought it might be umpire's call. When it wasn't umpire's call, I thought, oh, that's really tight. I didn't think that Hawkeye had mm. become part of the deep cricket conspiracy <laughs> to destroy, I don't know, Ollie Pope or England. It doesn't really work, does it? When you've got a big three, the sort of deep mm. cricket is all of them, uh, or big cricket or whatever we want to call it. So, no, um, I, I thought it was a marginal decision, basically, and a marginal decision that went against England. And over the course of series, marginal decisions will go for and against both sides. And that is just the way of it. But it's quite fun to have a talking point. Marginal decisions, much like the Ben Duckett one that happened about seven minutes later. But yeah. my main takeaway from that was that Daniel Norcross is is is, is a, a, one of the BCCI stooges, and they've got you as well. I'm very sorry <laughs> to be disappointed to find that out. But it's a good time to move on to the final word. Hall of Fame brought to you by London Westfield and London Stratford City. Right, I've got the copy. I'm ready to read. Are you ready, Daniel? I hope you're ready because I'm ready. I'm very ready. Ian Bell's cover drive. Michael Holding gliding to the crease. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> Michael Holding gliding to the crease. John C. Rhodes at backward point. All timeless blends of style and precision. And now there's another name to add to that list. The Bremont Argyle Limited Edition Watch Collection. Featuring three watches inspired by Kingsman director Matthew Vaughan's latest film, the collection translates the action and intrigue from the silver screen to your wrist. Visit the Bremont Boutique at Westfield, London to see which of this stunning collection makes you tick. Make sure to Google Westfield, London, Westfield, Stratford City. More extra, less ordinary. Daniel, question number one, will you be going and buying a watch? Question number two, what's your moment... For the Hall of Fame. Well, do you know, I, I have not bought a watch since I was 12 years old, but I am now thinking maybe it's time for a change. And you were late today. Ex ex exactly. I was, I, I was, maybe I need a watch, uh, but also a delicious fashion accessory. I mean, if it translates a silver screen to my wrist, I guess it would very much depend on the kind of film. I don't particularly want Apocalypse exactly. Now translated to my wrist, but I don't know, The Breakfast Club, I wouldn't mind a bit of that, a bit of, a bit of naughtiness attached to my wrist and, and as for the hall of fame my picks well we've mentioned one and i'm going to let you have that because you saw it in greater detail i think we know what we're talking about but for me the sheer gasp inducing moment of the day and that that also made me chuckle there were quite a few gasp inducing moments from ben duckett as we've discussed but the one that made me hoot was the inside out over extra cover drive by jasprit bumrah i think it was off, off rayan ahmed um and I just, I love the way he plays the shot because he's all sort of arms and legs and gangle. And yet it was kind of like a mirror image of Owen Morgan playing in a one day game. It was just, it was absolutely spectacular. I, I think it just pips the one he then did off Mark Wood when he thrashed one over deep mid wicket for one bounce four. For me, Hall of Fame, Jasper Bumra batting is Hall of Fame worthy at the best of times, but inside out, over extra cover, one, two bounces for four. Mwah, chef's kiss. 
I, I couldn't agree more. And it's one of the many reasons I like baseball, but it's one of the many reasons I believe cricket to be the superior sport is they, they don't get to watch their bad batters do good things with the bat. They say it's boring. They're just going to miss. Wrong. The moments of glory make it worth it. But the moment of the day, well, the final word Hall of Fame moment of the day was indeed Ravichandran Ashtarin running down the middle of the wicket or attempting to run, turning back and umpire Joel Wilson saying that's enough of that young man. We've warned, we've given India their first and final warning yesterday. That is five penalty runs. Now, this is something that happens in the game all the time. Go, you go, Daniel. You're ready. Well, I, I want to come back to you about that. But, but just one thing I want to make really clear here is that it will be even more Hall of Fame worthy if it denies Ben Duckett the bannerman. And uh, final word listeners will know what we mean by this. It's, it's oh getting, getting the highest percentage of, of runs in a completed innings. And he's currently well on his way there. But England started at five without loss. And this utterly confused me, Cam, because I, I decided I was going to go and make a cup of tea. And I came back and I saw that the score said England was six for none off no balls. Um, because the first ball was a no ball from Jasprit Bumrah. And I wasn't aware of the five penalty runs because it sort of happened in and out of my consciousness. And it utterly bamboozled me. And the idea of adding these five, especially, uh, and you know, it really will annoy me if Duckett is 220 not out mm. of sort of 314 and is denied the bannerman because of those five runs. But um, what was your take on it? Did you think, because uh, this was asked a bit on the, on the studio back here for, for TNT Sports, of the deliberate nature of this, do we think that Ashwin was deliberately scuffing up that pitch in a sort of Shahid Afridi, um, you know, pivot on the centre of the pitch at one point many years ago? Or was this just, you know, the the, the natural sort of... Um, you, you play the shot, you move forward a little bit, you swivel around a bit, you come back. Because like, that's what it was. He was on the danger area. Yes, and the reason I think it was deliberate is just because of what spinners and other professional cricketers are playing. So Gareth Batty on commentary for TalkSport, before the penalty runs had been applied, was laughing along with Ashwin. He was going, there's a spinner. That's a man I know, like and respect. He knows exactly what he's doing. Spinners up and down the country do this all the time. You're trying to help yourself as much as possible for that final innings. And then there was a genuine moment of shock when he realised that Joel Wilson had penalised it because it was just kind of it was part of this kind of gamesmanship part of the game in that Alistair Cook spoke about it on TNT Sports he basically dobbed his teammates in at Essex saying yeah as soon as we knew we were bowling last and we had Simon Harmer lads run up and down it all the time like try and get as much kind of tread going across that wicket so we disturbed the surface as much as possible the thing that was a surprise was that Joel Wilson had actually called him out on it now England had been really hot on it Ollie Pope and Joe Root had been pointing it out I'd asked Mark Wood about it after the day's play and he went oh, I, he was like mate I was tired I, I, I didn't care basically I was busy bowling so I think it's going to be one of those I think it's basically the end result is fair cop like Ashwin knows what he's doing England will do the same thing if they'd won the toss everyone knows it's part of the sport it's just India have had it Joel Wilson had it brought to his attention enough by England that he had to do something and it's an exciting moment for cricket nerds and I think that's pretty much the end of it another exciting moment for cricket nerds and my own addition to the Hall of Fame was Safraz Khan today fielding almost exclusively with a helmet wherever he was in the field 
because he was going into short leg and silly points so often, he'd then be dropped out to square leg or short fine leg and he'd stand there with his helmet still on in the outfield and I absolutely loved it. And my second addition would be Driv Drell. First boundary in test cricket, ramping Markwood for six, which was just a spectacular moment and made my heart sink, to be honest, because I wanted, I want the series to be fun. I want to get to Dharmashala, the fifth test. I want the maximum chance of a two all. And when the fucking latest debutant, 17th choice batter for India comes in, the first thing he does is ramps the ball over the wicketkeeper for six. I go, they've done, they've done it again. They've done it again. They, they are all amazing and they are still going to win even though we're playing their third team. Um, so yeah, that was my thoughts. Um, yeah, sound, sound thoughts. Very sound you, thoughts. You I, was part of, was, I, I think I am done. Just, just one thing to say. Um, I thought the partnership between Jarrell and Ashwin indicated that this is another one of those pitches which is going to be late to deteriorate if it deteriorates at all. And I just... I, it's not a discussion point yet, but it is intriguing to me that this would be the third pitch that's a really good cricket wicket and where the where runs are really uh, available, very different from the Border Gavaskar series last year, where the first four test matches were played on raging turners and the last one was the flattest pancake you've ever come across. This is these pitches have all been good, and I, I'm delighted because it has stopped the most tedious conversation in world cricket, which is. Anybody outside India complaining about the ball spinning too much on Indian pitches and then Indians complaining that people are complaining about spinning pitches and saying, well, you put grass on your wickets. It's a dead end, zero sum conversation, uh, which I've just I've just raised. Let's never talk of it again. <laughs> Daniel Norcross, thank you very much today. This was the final word daily brought to you by Westfield London, Westfield Strat Stratford City. Make sure to Google it. We will be back tomorrow. Until then, goodbye. I had to go about it, write it out and find